Hello and welcome back to OT Talk with Mr. T, the show where we talk how to live occupationally with using fine motor and functional life skills. I'm your host, Mr. T. Questions, comments, suggestions are always welcome at MaximumTEE at Yahoo.com. We're talking different practical tools, practical tips, different ideas how to make your life a little more independent, a little more functional, a little more possible for children and those that you teach or interact with or those youngsters to have a little bit more of an upstanding and and independent functional life as well. Let's go back to kids a little bit. Talking today with the help of yourtherapysource.com, some pure mediated interventions and if we have time, so talking more again about why movement is so great in the classroom and home. The Journal of Remedial and Special Education published a review of 53 studies on the impact of peers from peer-mediated interventions for students with intellectual disability, ID, formerly known as MR, but much more appropriately named as ID, intellectual disability. Although inclusion is increasing, there are still some who may be hesitant. They may have concerns regarding the effects of peer-mediated interventions that include students with intellectual disabilities. Previous research indicates that peer-mediated interventions are an evidence-based approach for improving social and learning outcomes for students with ID, intellectual disability, but their impact on participating peers has not been explored in depth. The review of the research indicated that interacting with students with IDEA has no adverse effects on peers' academic achievement or engagement for peers from elementary through high school. Peers' engagement increased peer-mediated interventions lead to positive changes in peer attitudes toward and peer expectations of their classmates with ID. Peers often rated their interactions with students with ID as enjoyable, instilling a sense of pride in their participation and pride in the accomplishments of their partners with ID, intellectual disability, and expressed a desire to continue interaction with a student with ID. If I may humbly also point out, I believe that empathy is being built when the child learns to interact with someone that has ID or other physical disabilities or other differentiations or other difficulties or differences. If a child is around children that have things that are difficult, I believe it instills in them an ability to empathize and an ability to have kindness and an ability to be giving. If you see that the child is struggling, then you help them out and hopefully instills in the child a sense of working and helping the child and trying to advocate for the child if they become a real friend. It brings to mind two different movies for me. Number one, I don't remember what the movie was called, but it was a fascinating movie I saw in grad school talking about fighting for for those with disabilities, advocating for those with disabilities, especially for those who can't speak up for themselves, especially dealing with when dealing with children who can't talk, who can't participate, who can't speak up for themselves, namely such children that have autism or that are nonverbal for different factors or different reasons, especially if they have autism and they are nonverbal, who can speak up for them? They can't speak up for themselves. So... That's when the parents have to speak up for them, the friends have to speak up for them, the workers that deal with them, the IEP team, and all the special people that work with these kind of children. But it really brings to mind this movie that we watched in grad school. I don't remember what it's called, but I believe it was about a guy who had hearing loss, who was deaf, and was friends with someone who was in a wheelchair, wheelchair bound. I think he he had... um, maybe MS or polio or something that didn't allow him the use of his legs. And even his arms were limited 
It was such a great movie. I don't remember what it was, The Sound of Silence. I don't know what it was called. Something like that. But it talked about the unlikely friendship and how the one that was deaf went on to, to become like famous and then almost forgot his friend, but then went back and advocated for his friend. And somehow they like accomplished to get a ramp for, for the friend, the, the person that was in the wheelchair, so that he could access his restaurant. And it was a big win that they could get that ramp because at that time there was no ADA, the American with Disabilities Act, that forced establishments, not forced, but made establishments have disabil- access for disabilities, you know. And it was such a great thing. And that's talking about having the peer immediate interventions, talking about working with your peers, peers that have difficulties. It, it develops a sense of right and wrong. It develops a sense of empathy. Hopefully, develops a sense of kindness. It also reminds me of the fascinating movie that came out called, um, man, it's blinking on me, but it's a movie of, um, the, of, uh, the the child that has the 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 deformities in the face uh, I can't remember it just came out it was with uh, those famous actors it was so so good I don't remember but it was a middle school based and um, and then you have the friend Jack and uh, you have the the child that has the the trouble you have the sister and then the friend and then it's from different perspectives I really it was just on the tip of my tongue we literally saw it last year it was such a good movie but you see that that the the person that has the disability, you don't do the disability first. You do person-first language, person-first thought. Because when he saw his friend, he didn't see the disability. He saw the friend. But then when when he forgot about the friend and didn't help out the friend, and then they had a big fight, but they made up and they were best friends again. It was such a good movie. I forget. I really would forget what it's called. But the, the, if you want to see that movie, just for the last scene, was worth the whole movie. It was so moving, so touching, that last scene when the whole, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but if you didn't see it, again, I can't remember what it's called, but um, if you want to, Wonder, Wonder, I think it was called Wonder, it was such a good movie, I hope they make another one, the last scene is the best scene in the movie, in my opinion, the whole school roots for this child who had a difficult, the whole year, his whole life, it's just heartwarming, wonderful movie, but when you have peers involved, and they and they advocate for the kids, and they work with the kids, and they befriend the kids, because these kids don't always have such friends, that's a wonderful thing, so they didn't mention it here on your therapy source, but I believe and strongly advocate why it's so important. And again, movement in the classroom, it's important for our bodies to move in order to be ready to learn. Students can perform movement breaks within the classroom or in a larger area if available. Four basic reasons, evidence-based reasons why there should be incorporated movement into the classroom at home. A positive association between 5 to 20 minute movement breaks in the classroom and cognitive skills, academic Achievement, test scores, attitude, and behavior has been seen according to CDC in 2010. There's an ability to increase student interest and motivation according to Vizal et al. in 2012 and learning. In Braniff 2011 pointed out, if you have movement, you get more interest and more motivation and more learning out of it. It also improves content knowledge, skills, and test scores in course subjects such as mathematics and reading fluency when you get movement in the classroom. Adams, Blair, and Oliver in 2011 pointed it out. Erwin, Fidewa, and Ahn in 2013 pointed it out. And Browning et al. pointed that out in 2014. Also, it may help children meet the recommendation to complete the recommended 60 minutes of physical activity every day. We've talked about that many times. The kids need those 60 minutes, that hour of movement. If you don't have it at recess, you don't have it at gym, 
How are you going to get them to have that 60 minutes? Kids need that activity. They need that movement. They need that sensor stimulation. They need to be up and about, getting out that energy, getting out the kid in them. You're asking them all day to do all these academics, all this academia. When are you letting them be a kid? When are you letting them play? That's why a lot of times in my room, we ask them, I ask them what they want to do. I ask them what they want to play. A lot of times we'll let them just use the games, use the play to use the Legos because kids need to play. And they're building fine motor skills all at the same time. We need kids to be kids. We need kids to play. We need them to feel like they're kids learning while playing, learning while growing, learning while being in school. It's all about having fun, all about having play. And if you could get movement into the classroom, that really could accomplish that. That's what we want kids to do. So join us next time as we continue talking some practical tips, practical tools. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about using playtime to increase parent interactions here on OT Talk with Mr. T. And I'm your host, Mr. T.